Oh, we are continuing our sermon series, Set Free to Live Free. Look at the Ten Commandments. Keep in mind, the people of Israel, way back in the second book of the Bible in the Old Testament, the people of Israel who were enslaved by the people of Egypt for 400 years were given freedom. But even though they were given freedom, they were so focused and it was so ingrained in their life what a slave was they still lived that way they still live confined in their own slavery trusting in other things instead of the one god who rescued them to begin with listen we believers in christ those of us who by faith and trust have put on the lord jesus christ have trusted him to save us from sin death and hell we still struggle don't we We struggle with how to live free and how to live faithful to God. We struggle to break sinful habits that have been ingrained in our lives for decades. Sinful patterns. Struggling to love God with everything we are and our neighbors as ourselves. Why? Because all of our life we have been focused on loving ourselves to the detriment of others. But knowing this, God gave us his law His good, His wonderful law. Why? To show us how to live free. And that's where we need to be. That's where in the depths of the soul of a Christ follower, you do want to live free. And so God gives us these commands. Commandment number 8 is found in Exodus chapter 20 verse 15. Exodus 20 15. And it says, You shall not steal. There's no asterisk there. So whatever the word steal means, that means don't do it. All right. But, but what about stop there? Okay. Do not steal. It's general and it gets very specific whenever you read on in the scriptures in Exodus chapter 22. I mean, just flip there and look at even the title of that, of that passage. All right. It's about theft. Okay. It's about stealing people. It's about stealing property. It's about stealing so many things. But if I were to look in the dictionary to find out what the word steal means, you'll get these three types of definitions. All right? Stealing means this. It means the taking of what does not belong to you. All right? It's pretty point blank there, right? Stealing is the taking of what does not belong to you. It also means keeping what should be returned or given. Keeping what should be returned or given. And then a third definition of it is taking credit for someone else's work. Taking credit for someone else's work. So if that's what theft involves, let's walk through each of these individually. Alright, theft involves number one. The taking of what does not belong to you. Alright, clearly we talk about items. Clearly robbing a bank. When we think of those things, we're like, whoo, I'm in pretty good shape. Theft is also stealing hours from work. There was a study that was done uh, in the workplace. What are the the biggest websites that are are clicked on during the typical work day? So think about this. Any kind of place of business where you're at, the typical, the two top uh, websites that are clicked, number one is Facebook. That's not work-related unless you work for Facebook, all right? And number two, LinkedIn. Who knows LinkedIn? Raise your hand. 
LinkedIn is a, is a social network for finding another job. So how honoring is it for you to be on the job trying to find another job? All right. That's crazy, isn't it? Imagine if the new job you get, they find out that's what you do all the time. They probably wouldn't hire you. All right. So yeah, stealing from work. It's, um, how about this? Honesty and paying taxes. Pass. We'll skip on that one. No. Honesty and paying taxes. Listen, you're a citizen with the benefits of being a citizen of the United States. Listen, I'm not personally a fan of it myself. But that's the privilege I have of being a citizen. I need to pay my taxes. Now listen, just as it said before, don't pay more than you should, right? But don't pay less than you should. Be honest in your paying taxes. How about taking advantage of people through false promises? Taking advantage of people through false promises. If you do this, I'll do this. They do their end. You need to do your end of the deal. Taking advantage of those less fortunate because they have no means to fight against you. That's theft. One of the big topics that's uh, in our world today is slavery. Kids at an early age are sold into slavery for two things. To work to work slave labor and sex slave. That is theft of a grand scale. How about this one? Pirated media. We have devices now where for just one flat fee, we can, we can watch movies on the very first or second night that they're released in the movie theater. So instead of having to pay the 10, 12 bucks plus another 10 to 12 bucks for a drink and a popcorn, we can watch it basically for free. That's sticking it to the man, isn't it? Or how about this? When we go to sports events or even movie theaters, we sneak in food. For those events. Listen, what I've come to find out in movie theaters, you notice why a lot of them close down? Here's why. They make hardly anything off the movies. Okay, what you pay for the movies, I gotta pay for licensing fees and other types of things. The only way they make money is through concessions. And so when we uh, go through the back door with our concessions, it's taking money away from those local business owners and eventually they shut down. But it doesn't happen immediately, right? Usually it's, hey, great movie theater. Then after a few years, eh, they don't have very good workers there. It's kind of sticky, the seats and all this, because they can't afford to pay people to clean it up. And the progression goes. So we are stealing from our own community by doing those things. And what's worse? By pirating those, those things, watching the things on the internet that, that we shouldn't be able to watch right now because they're in the movie theaters. All right, or to have free cable, uh, whatever the case may be, by doing that stuff, we have children and grandchildren that are watching it. And we are basically saying, it's okay to steal. It's not okay to steal from me, right? Who in here wants to be stolen from? Raise your hand. No, nobody wants people to steal from me. But when I say, is it okay to steal from others? At that point, we forget our rights and we're like, hmm, You know what? In some circumstances, stop right there. That's theft. That's theft. 
And what I think is so amazing about theft, as I, as I go through this study, I realize that this is hopefully not going to be a message on behavior modification. What I mean by that is, I hope that what you don't leave here is, hmm, I shouldn't steal because it's bad. There's something deeper than that. The more I study theft, the more I realize it is hand in hand with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And here's what I mean by that. The very first sin, God said, you can have anything in this garden that you want except for one fruit. Adam, Eve, that fruit is not yours. So in a way, the very first sin is theft. Taking something that did not belong to them. Did theft have consequences? Absolutely. We'll talk more about that in a moment. So theft really goes to the, to the heart of why we struggle. Why we have sin, sickness, and death. Why we have hurricanes and tornadoes and all the creation is groaning for the day when Christ comes back. Why? Because of sin. To give it a specific term, theft. Theft involves, number one, taking what does not belong to you. But you know, the second thing about theft is it's keeping what should be given. Keeping what should be given or returned. All right, so I'm going to make just a blunt statement right here, okay? Return your neighbor's tools. (laughs) Okay? Return your neighbor's tools. I know, I know what you're saying. I'll do it at a convenient time. Yeah, okay, There, there is not one. And in the midst of that time when you think, I'll oh, just blow it off for another day, you have a neighbor, hopefully a friend, maybe even uh, a, a brother or sister in Christ that is starting to have suspicion in their heart. There is a wedge that is growing between you and that person because you are keeping what you should return. So return the tools, return the library books, return those things that are not yours. Return those things that someone gave to you for a moment, but meant to be returned. Church, we need to stop taking advantage of the generosity of people and the generosity of companies. There are things that we are borrowing from our workplace that we have little to no intention of returning. We must return. We are to keep, or or we're to stop keeping what we should give. Stop keeping what we should return, which brings us not only to man, but remember, this all, it all goes to the church as well and to our relationship with God. So are you and I keeping something from God that we should give, that we should return. Everyone who has called upon the name of the Lord has a gift, has a spiritual gift that is to be used for the glory of God and for the good of the church. For you to withhold that gift is sin and it's theft. To put it another way, Malachi the prophet Asks, are you robbing God? Are you being a thief in front of the very God you say you love and honor and worship? Are you robbing God? In Malachi chapter 3 verse 8 through 10, 
Listen to what the scripture says. It says, will man rob God? To which we're like, oh, absolutely not, right? If we were to ask that question, come on, we're not robbing God, right? We just may not be returning things or giving things like we should. But rob, that's a pretty deep word. Well, Malachi goes on to say, yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? He says, in your tithes and in your contributions. Tithes and contributions. Tithes and your offerings. Now, I know we talked about giving a few months ago. And we talked about, you know, the tithe, how in the Old Testament, it was a beautiful picture of dependence that we have on God. It was also the taxation at that time. All right, you were to give your 10%, okay, to the storehouse. You were to give it to the temple, Okay, and that would be used for all different things, nationally and spiritually and everything. And it was a beautiful thing. And then, of course, your offering for those that were above your tithes. Those things that you felt impressed by God to give above and beyond. And he's saying, you are not doing not even the bare minimum. You're, you're calling yourself a, a follower of the one true God and you're not obeying him in this area. You're robbing from him. To which we would say today, we are to give our offerings to God without compulsion. We're to give it with love. We've got a budget, right? We have a budget that needs to be fulfilled. And every December, we vote on that budget. And in that vote, we say, I'm going to give my contribution to that so that all the ministries that we desire to do for the kingdom of God will be fulfilled. But when we don't give these offerings, when we let the plate pass on, we don't give online or whatever the case may be, what we are doing in all actuality is not just causing this church to suffer, which it does. It's causing people right in this building and outside and throughout the world to not receive the benefit and the blessing of faithful giving in the gospel. But even more than that, it's robbing the very God you say you love and worship. And that's the point. That's the point. What I give... Is, that, is, that, is God hopelessly in trouble if I don't give? Are you kidding me? He's the God of the universe. Everything is his. For me to cheapen that would be to cheapen the sovereignty of God. But yet, I need to give for my benefit. So that I can rely and depend upon him. Again, the scripture says... Will, you, will a man rob God, yet you are robbing me? But you say, how have we robbed you? He says, in tithes and contributions, you're cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down on you a blessing until there is no more need. Do you see the, the desire of God? He says, honor me in this earth. Stop robbing from me. Give to me uh, with a grateful and a joyful heart. Give what, what you know you're supposed to give. And some of us, we may struggle with that. Listen, we want to pray with you on that. We want to help you out. Some of us are like that family. We're so overwhelmed with debt. We don't know what to do. Listen, when I don't know what to do, you know what I do? I go to the one who knows and I go to my small group or I go to uh, counselors that can help me. I don't keep trusting in my, my feeble self because I'll just get in worse and worse trouble. 
You have a family here. We're here for you to help you walk through those dark and tough times. Stop doing it alone. And then God gives a promise. If you give what God is calling you to give, if you give what God is calling you to give as a faithful child of God, he says he's going to pour a blessing until there is no more need. And at this point, some of you are saying, Pastor Scott, please stop talking about my money. There's the problem. We think it's our money. You see, the root of the problem is we have a love for money over love for God. And it's trapping us. Pastor Mark Driscoll says it this way. You can worship God with your money, but you cannot worship God and money. There's one God. And you have to make a choice. The root of the problem is your love of money over God. It's also the neglect of understanding that it is God's money. In Psalm 24, 1, the scripture says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. You see, we have no problem as followers of Christ saying, God's got it all covered, except my stuff. God, I'll take care of my stuff. That's wrong. That's wrong that saying, God, you're Lord over all things except my stuff. Do you not realize why you came to Christ to begin with? Because you needed him to be Lord of all of your stuff. That's why you called upon him. So let him be Lord. And let's be his child. And let's give to him what he asks. Let us do. Let us obey. Because we know that obedience to him is for his glory. For our good. But also for the good of all those around us. So let's worship him. Now, number three. When we talk about the definition of stealing, the third definition is taking credit for someone else's work. Taking credit for someone else's work. That's stealing glory from somebody else, whether it's from other people or from God. Uh, Any college students out there? What's that term that I'm thinking of? It starts with a P. Plagiarism. Right? Plagiarism. That's why one of the things I try to do as much as possible when I preach, I'll tell you where I get my information from. I'll say a lot of this message was taken from, you know, a preacher this, a professor that, or whatever. And when I quote, I want to be sure to give the address because this stuff doesn't come from me. It would be wrong for me to, to, to attribute a cool quote to myself. That would be, that would be stealing the glory of another person in school. Whenever you do research and you take someone else's thought and call it your own, that is theft. That's stealing the glory of somebody else and attributing it to yourself. To use a simple term, you're a glory thief. And you're not to do that. We're to give honor to whom honor is due. Especially when it comes to God. In Romans chapter 1 verse 25, talk about ultimate theft here. I mean, this is, this is robbery of a grand level. In Romans 1 25, the scripture says, those who, uh, decided to not believe in God, even though God has clearly shown himself to be evident in their life, he says, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and they worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. When good things happen, you, you praise the weatherman or weather person. 
Okay, when, when bad things happen, then of course you blame God. Okay, uh, when things go on at, at school, uh, may, maybe we're doing really good athletically, sports-wise, academically, whatever the case may be. What do we do? We say, yay, way to go, you know, teachers or way to go whatever, which there, there's a great merit there. But we forget the very one who's over it, except when disaster happens. Then we blame God. God is here for the blame, but not for the credit. And we do that in our lives all the time. We idolize people and things other than God. We listen to the opinions of others more than we listen to the word of God. Well, Pastor, you're talking about other people but not me. How many hours do we spend on CNN or Fox News versus how much time we spend in the word of God? How much time do we listen to talk radio or Netflix or we listen to podcasts of people that we highly admire? We could spend uh, 30 minutes, hours at a time listening to those people and we may, we may open up our Bible a couple of times a week to hear from our Lord and Savior. Folks, that's idolatry. And it's, 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 it's theft. Words of Almighty God. John twelve forty three says it this way. For they loved, speaking of Pharisees and even other people who decided not to believe in Jesus. Listen to this. For they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. And that kind of makes sense. Because when we look in scriptures, we're not going to get a lot of glory from God down here. Other than the very peace that passes understanding that allows us to live in the midst of the trials and tribulations of this world with our head up high. No, the majority of the glory we're going to get from God is in the next world. And some of us aren't content to wait. So instead of following God, we want to listen to what other people say about us. That's why most of us are concerned more about the number of likes we get on our social media than what heaven thinks about us. That's glory theft. So then why do we steal? That's a good question. We've understood what stealing is. Now, why do we steal? Well, we steal from the very basis, the the very foundation is that we don't trust God. We don't trust God. Matthew 6, chapter 30 through 33, Jesus at the Sermon on the Mount. He's talking to people about the high blessing and the privilege of following Christ above all things. He's about obeying Christ, following the law, not to gain salvation, but as honor to God uh, uh, because we have been saved. That's why we don't, we don't lie, we don't steal, uh, we don't uh, commit adultery, we don't do all those types of things. It's not so that we can somehow polish ourselves and say, look how great we are. No, it's say, the only reason I have the power to do this or to not do that is because of the Savior who lives inside of me. And then when you talk about uh, money and finances, which is so hard for many of us, it's a God. Here's what Jesus says. Matthew 6, verse 30 and 30 through 33 says, If God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Okay? The, the flowers are God's creation. 
Just like many of you who garden and who plant, you want to cultivate those things. They're beautiful, but there's no substitution of a plant for your own kids. If it is, there's another problem. All right, there's a priority problem there. No, you're going to take care of your kids even more so than the plant. And God says, if I do that with plants, which is alive today and gone tomorrow, how much more will I clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. God knows where you're at. He knows what you need. He knows what you lack. So God says this. He doesn't say, go out and work hard, put on the ski mask and go to the bank. He doesn't say that. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And guess what? And all these things will be added to you. You notice that there's not a list there? It's a one thing. You seek God and his kingdom. And these things will be added to you. It's not just the priority, it's the life of a believer. It's to seek God and his kingdom and his righteousness. God will take care of you. Now, here's what that doesn't mean. That doesn't mean just read the Bible 24 hours a day. All right, and expect all these things to happen. No, to seek God is say, God, what is your will for my life? And you get in his word, you, you listen, you soak in the word of God. You pray to the God of the universe and God leads you. He tells you what to do. He tells you what not to do. And you faithfully follow him in trust and in obedience. But yet many of us feel like the only way we're going to make it is if we steal. Maybe not robbing a bank, but little things here and a little dishonesty here a little dishonesty there we'll talk more about that next week but okay we steal because we don't trust God we also steal because we have abandoned our responsibilities oh we want our rights don't we I have right I have property rights you are not to steal anything from me but we have abandoned our own responsibilities here's what the scripture says about that in Romans chapter 13 verse 8 through 10 Paul says Owe no one anything. Have no debts between anybody, okay? Owe no one anything except to love one another. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For Listen to this. For the commandments, ding, 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 here we are, context. You shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal. You shall not covet or any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. So what did God say? He said this, and I love this about Scripture. God says, here's my general command to you. Love one another. To which we say, absolutely, I want to do that. I am going to love one another. Thank you, God. Let me walk out. And then I say, how do I love one another? You know, that's why it's, it's more important for you to, to not just read the Ten Commandments. You've got to read cover to cover. You've got to read the whole scripture to, to flesh out what it means to love God with everything and love your neighbor as yourself. So what does it mean to love one another? Don't steal from them. Don't steal from them. That is a picture of love. No matter what your situation, no matter what your circumstance One of the most beautiful pictures of love 
is not stealing from them. Tragedy has taken place between two people who may used to have been friends because of theft. Sure, maybe stealing some money, maybe stealing some tools, maybe stealing a girlfriend or a boyfriend. You see, to some of us, we can't recover from that type of deception. We can't recover for that disaster of trust. Too many times I hear teenagers and young adults doing harm to themselves, committing suicide because a friend stole from them. To us, it's a simple little thing. But to God, it's life and death. First Corinthians would say, that's the reason many people, many people, have spent an eternity from God in a place called hell is because the defining nature of that person is they are a thief. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. It says it clear as day. Because they chose, just like Adam and Eve, to take the forbidden fruit and to let that be the motive of their life. To steal from others and God every day. With no recourse. With no repentance. Because it's all about them. We don't trust God. And secondly, we don't abandon our responsibilities. Listen, we live in a very tough political climate. Amen? I mean, it's bad. The political right, when it comes to this type of stuff, theft and responsibility, and again, this is not to get into a political war. Let's just be bare bones about this. This is the basic. The political right says this. When it comes to... Uh, poverty and theft. It says, get to work. Right? The political right would say it's easy to blame the environment, to blame the government, to blame socioeconomic status. It's easy to blame race, color, creed. Listen, laziness is a heart problem. And unless one realizes and deals with this, what people are going to do is they're going to rationalize, they're going to sympathize, they're going to agonize, they're going to prioritize, trivialize, and eventually become immobilized, okay, all the way to poverty and national destruction, okay? They would say life is not a free ride at the expense of others. So anyone trying to take away things from me is a thief. The political left would say, oh, wait a minute. Even your own religious people say, love your neighbor as you love yourself. you got to understand, you live in this country, it's not about you. So everything that you have been given, you have the responsibility to give it all away to others. 
And let me break that down even more. The political right, the biggest fear that they have is socialism. That means taking by law or by force to give to others. That's not biblical. Socialism is not biblical. The left fears greed. Because the rich keep getting richer at the expense of others, is what they would say. So they would say capitalism is not of God either, which we would have to agree. Capitalism, socialism, any kind of government structure you get to them, you can't find it in here. Now we can have better and best and worse and all that kind of stuff, but listen, all this is a product of a fallen world. All of it is. Right fears socialism. Left fears greed. The problem is bigger than politics. We fear the wrong things. We fear the wrong things. You see, when we as a church would get to the point when we fear, lift up, worship, reverence God, there won't be anything for us to fear. And it's then, like God is trying to tell through Moses, when we live in that type of freedom, we'll have nothing to fear. So if you're putting your trust and your faith in politics, they will let you down. Ultimately, they will let you down. In this climate, we've got to choose one or the other. I get that. I get that. But don't let, don't let Republican, Democrat be your savior. There's only one who can hold that position. And that's Christ. So these are why we steal. We don't trust God and we have abandoned our responsibility. Church, if you have given, freely by the way, God by his own free will gave you eternal life. Jesus was not, uh, was not forced to go to the cross for you. We should not be forced to give. What are the consequences? The consequences of theft. Listen, number one, theft, no matter how small it is, theft will destroy your testimony. That's your story. That's your witness. I'm a Christ follower. Oh, do you also steal? Well, sure, you have lost credibility to those around you. Listen to what Proverbs 30 says. Proverbs is so awesome the way he puts uh, these two things together. In Proverbs 30 verse 7, 9, he says, Two things I ask of you, God. Deny them not to me before I die. Number one, remove far from me falsehood and lying. Okay? And then, give me neither poverty nor riches. He says this. Check out how beautiful this, this sounds. God, feed me with the food that is needful for me. Feed me what I need, okay? Just help me not to, to, uh, to overindulge myself. Feed me what's needful, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Because those of us who have too much to eat, we forget about God and we focus on ourselves. Don't let me get that way, God. And then he says the opposite. Or God, you know, don't give me poverty because he says this. Or lest I be poor and what? Steal and do what? Yes, 
profane the name of my God. Stealing will always profane God's name, no matter how small it is. It will profane the name of God. Your testimony will be ruined. Consequence number one, theft destroys your testimony. Number two, theft will bring judgment. Theft brings punishment. I I told you already that stealing, the more I have studied this, the more I study all the commandments, it's not behavior modification. It's all in a way linked to sin, death, and the need for the gospel. Listen what it does. When we sin, specifically in the issue of theft, it brings punishment. Matthew 27, verse 38. Jesus was at the cross. And who were those who were crucified with him? Two thieves. The scripture says, Then two robbers were crucified with him. One on the right and one on the left. Listen to me very carefully. This is so important. There were how many people on a cross on that day? There were three. How many were guilty of theft? Two. There was one who willfully and freely was willing to die for the two that deserved it. Or Luke 23 says this, as they're struggling, one of them is reviling insults to Jesus. And listen to this, in verse 41, one of them says, we are receiving the what? The due reward for our deeds. Let this sink in. This man, who is on the side of Jesus Christ, will tell you today, if he were alive, theft The penalty of theft is death. I deserve it. He says, we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man in the middle has done nothing wrong. To you, to me, theft is a little thing, right? Paperclip here, notepad there. Borrowing something longer because we are taking advantage of the generosity of others. But theft destroys your testimony. And it brings punishment. So the question is, how can I change? How can I change? Listen, all sin, number one, all sin has a true remedy. Be born again, absolutely. But listen, it's to receive God's free gift. I can't save myself. I need to be born again. I need for God to give me something. I've been trying to steal from him for years. I've been stealing from others for years. I need God to graciously give me the free gift of forgiveness and eternal life. That is the only way that you can change. Yes, you may stop smoking. You may stop, you know, uh, getting drunk with alcohol. You may even stop outwardly, outwardly um, stealing. But you cannot stop sinning unless you have a Savior. You can't do it. 
So how can you change? You have to receive God's free gift. This free gift cannot be bought and it cannot be stolen. It has to be given. The thief on the cross, by the way, he was about to die physically, but I'm here to tell you, by the authority of God's word and the grace of the Lord Jesus who died alongside of him, he is not suffering the punishment of theft. For Luke 23, 43, uh, 42 and 43 says this. And he said, the thief, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. That's dependence. That's trust. And listen to what Jesus said. Truly, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Does God save sinners? Yes, we know that. Does God save thieves? Yes, God saves thieves. I told you earlier, 1 Corinthians 6, that, that thieves will not have any inheritance into the kingdom of God, to which Paul says, and some were such as you, but you were cleansed, but you were redeemed, but you were bought by the precious blood of Christ, Peter would say. And it's because of that, heaven no longer sees me as a thief. He sees me as a son. He sees you as a son or a daughter. Of God in Christ. How can I change? Listen, number one, you got to receive his free gift. And number two, listen, that's done. That's settled. But number two, now you've got a mission. Okay, now every one of us have a mission from God. Listen to this. Don't leave without this. All right? Rest in the goodness of God, but go out and obey him to live for him and others. Look at what Ephesians 4, 28 says. A cool, a powerful verse here. He says, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor. Means get a job. All right? To which that point, the Republicans are like, yeah, get a job, right? No, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, okay? Doing honest work with his own hands, okay? Work hard, get a good paycheck. So that he may have something to share with anyone in need. To which the Democrats go, yeah! Yeah! Okay? So do you see how... Humanity can take a good point of God and twist it to evil. And that's what sometimes politics do. They focus on something that sounds good, but there's always some sinister things going on. That's just life, okay? We got to deal with it. But the very heart of God is not capitalism or socialism. It's honor God with your work. And as he blesses you without compulsion, without force, give to others in need. Stop stealing, work for God, and give to others. That is the calling of a Christ follower. So let me ask you, are you a Christ follower? If that's, if that's true, stop stealing. Stop, whatever that means, whatever that context means in your life, stop stealing for the glory of God and the good of those around you and all your relationships. Stop stealing. For those of you who do not yet know Christ, listen, you don't have to steal anymore. You don't have to try to steal your way to heaven. Steal your way to looking good on the outside when you know you're rotting on the inside. 
instead of stealing, would you be willing to instead receive the free gift of God and Jesus Christ? And that free gift is this. From eternity past, God loved his creation. He put his creation into motion knowing that within three chapters of the Bible that we would blow it. We would steal from him and take that fruit. He knew that. But he also knew that he didn't want heaven without us. So he brought heaven down. What that means is that our worth is not based on us. It's based on what he thinks about us and what he wants to do with us. And so he, 2,000 years ago, in Jesus Christ, God of gods wrapped up in the flesh, came to this world to live a perfect life, always giving to others and eventually giving his life for my sin. You see, he died a death I deserved. I, I'm the thief. I should be on the cross dying. But instead, he died for me. So that if I would trust him, if I would believe in him, if I would call him my God and my Savior, the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. That's the, the free gift of God. You see, the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord question now is, now that the gift has been explained and it has been extended to you, will you receive that gift? No longer trying to steal your way into, into God's good graces or the good graces of those around you. It doesn't matter. What matters is what God thinks of you. Are we a thief or are we a child? Those are the only two options. Let us pray. Father God, thank you for the free gift of life that we don't earn, nor can we steal it away but we can receive it by faith. Father, I pray that if there's anybody in this room who has been struggling with their relationship with you, Lord, God, they have tried to, to pretty it up on the outside, trying to steal your glory, Father God, by thinking that they can earn salvation any other way than the way that you have called us to do, by faith in your son. God, help us to call it and see it, what it for what it is. And let's receive you, God. God, give them the courage to receive you this morning. And God, for your believers, God, give us freedom today to know that we no longer have to uh, trust in ourselves, Father God, to get us by. But God, we can seek you first. And we can do it this very morning, whether it's praying at the altar, praying in the, in the seats that they're at now, or maybe holding the hand of a friend or a family member and saying, would you pray for me? Because there are things that I've not given to God yet. I'm still holding on, still, still doing some robbery with God against him. God, I pray that you would bring freedom this morning and whatever that looks like in every single person's life. God, may you be the sovereign Lord. We know that you are always, but God, may you be sovereign in every heart, we pray. In Christ's name, amen.